0: Now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep
1: it like. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Coming in. Yeah. Flex. I just wanna win. Yeah. LA BB, who we running with? Yeah. 2233, I'm on 10 again. Yeah. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. Today's episode is entitled Music, Today Versus Yesterday. Uh, today we're gonna be discussing our generation's differences and some similarities in you know, the music scene, I guess specifically pertaining to hip hop because that's what we listen to mostly. Um, so I wanna start today off with a question. Give me your top five artists, not necessarily hip hop, but just
1: artists that
0: you know over your
1: lifetime you found to be your favorites. Uh, top five, and you probably know this, um, better than anyone start out with Marvin Gaye. He's one of my favorite artists of all time, largely because of his creative talents, his ability to take what's happening currently and put it in an artistic format to where people can resonate with what's going on. Um, the album, what's going on to me was one of my favorite art albums of all time because of his sociopolitical, uh, take and, um references in the music. It was really one of those albums that you can put it on and it told a story from start to finish. Um, Earth, Wind & Fire, another one of my um, all-time favorite uh, groups. Their music was just so soulful and it puts you in a a state of mind of peace and resolve and just like, you know, all is well. And, you know, I put their music on the day and it's like, it's timeless. Uh, John Coltrane you know a jazz great someone who when you put his music on and you just kind of get lost in the music and it takes you into the spaces and it takes you into their journey and allows you to see the world from their perspective in that regard Um, another one is Tupac you know Tupac is one of my my favorite rappers uh, just because of the same thing with Marvin Gaye he was kind of my rap Marvin Gaye the way he weaved in the social political um, issues of the times. And, you know, it really kind of drawed me in and made me want to hear more, captivated me to listen to them and think. Um, Lauren Hill is definitely one. She is one who, as a female, you know, many people may or may not agree, she's probably one of the top 10 artists, rappers history to me, just the way she was able to flow in the content and the context and the way she was able to deliver it. I really hate that, you know, her career, or at least commercially, uh, didn't go further than it did. Um, But she and those guys are the ones in which um, I really look at, It It comes to mind. There's many more artists out there that I love and uh, think are great and could probably be interchangeable with some. The two that are not interchangeable with Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, everywhere else, I can find probably people to interchange with that. So so those are my top five. How about you? So you got one,
0: Marvin Gaye, two, Earth, Wind & Fire, three, Train, four, Tupac, five, Lauryn Hill. Yeah. Okay. My top five, um, you know who number one is. It's J. Cole, my favorite <laughs> artist of all time. Just anything he puts out, I think is brilliant, man. I think everything he's done in his discography thus far has been good music. It hasn't. Not all of it has obviously blown up and been crazy, crazy successful. He's had his crazy successes, but everything that I listen to from him, everything that he's put out commercially that I go out and listen to, I, I, I find it to be either something that sounds good to me, or something that, you know that has some substance to it that you know can can give me some provoke some thought or something like that. So that's something that I look for in an artist like that. And number two, for that same reason sound and thought-provoking content and things like that is Kendrick Lamar. I think he's right behind J. Cole. I personally like J. Cole's sound a little more, which is, I guess, odd because Kendrick Lamar is a Southern California artist and I'm from Southern California. But, And and I I love Kendrick's sound, but I just got to give Cole the edge in that regard just because I feel like I'm different in that way. I like that more mellow tones and calm, I guess, feel. And Kendrick has some of that, but I think Cole definitely just speaks to me in that way more. Number three, um, I thought about this and I was like, this is somebody I I listen to all the time and I don't know why I never really think of him as one of my top five rappers or artists in general, because I don't know if I even really consider him that great. But I think the sheer amount of time that I listen to him and the, the amount of stuff that he puts out that's successful and I'm going to have to go with Drake. I just I listen to Drake all the time. I don't listen to Drake because he got some thought-provoking content or anything like that, but at the end of the day his sound is very unique and it's 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 just I enjoy listening to it. I don't even know how to describe it. And it's like weird to put him in my top 5 because I'm like I wouldn't say he's one of the greatest rappers to ever live, you know what I mean? I don't not even close. I don't think he's barely a rapper. He's almost a singer, but I listen to his music so much that I'm like, well, I guess I gotta put him in my top five artists because I, I clearly like to listen to his music that much. But if you ask me my top five, I guess, artists or rappers that in terms of their talent and skill, he's not in there, but just my favorites, I guess, to listen to, uh, I'm gonna have to go with Drake. Outside of those three, I think everybody else kind of gets just interchangeable because I, I may listen to an album here or there, or you know, a few songs here or there, but, there isn't a,
1: <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm, just <laughs>
0: I'm just explaining that there's there's no I wouldn't say these last two in my top five aren't like they're so solid. You know, somebody could come out with an album tomorrow just and I'd be like, comes, you know what, comes they in to my mind. top five now. Yeah. So they're not they're not necessarily stuck, but for the last two in my top five, I would go with an artist that I've been listening to a lot recently. Uh, is Rod Wave. He's kind of a new artist. But I really, you know, he, he's kind of come out with the or he's been a part of the movement of the trap soul movement, which is, you know, basically, I guess, rap music that has some soul to it. They kind of sing. It's a melodic rap. Um, and, and they seem to in my in my opinion, they're talking about a little bit of content that I can find, I guess, acceptable. I, I don't I'm not from the streets. I don't I don't ever live that lifestyle. But I guess the idea of coming up from where you were, bringing your family, what you taking care of, your family, your brothers and everything like that, that's something that I can. I can relate to. Um, and then the last artist, I don't even think I thought of this fifth spot. I don't, even, I don't even know. I guess one artist that I enjoy from all aspects of artistry in general, not just music, is Childish Gambino. I think I do enjoy his music a lot. And he's got a lot of different styles of music, which I find interesting. And I actually enjoy most of his styles of music. Um, and then also, I think from part of what makes me like him so much is what he does outside of music as well. And from you know you know acting to writing i love his shows and some of the movies he's been a part of and so i think as an artist in general childish gambino's up there for me
1: all right that took you a while to get through that this this generation y'all can't make decisions you know you got too many options
0: but the thing (laughs) is too i i was thinking about when you were giving your top five how different would your top five be when you if i asked you this when you were 21 because you, no doubt you've always loved Marvin Gaye and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe in your mid-20s, that's not what you were listening to all the time. You know what I mean? Now that you've gotten a little older, you kind of going back to what you grew up on, things that made you feel a certain way when you were younger. But when you were 21 years old, I doubt your top five artists would have included Earth, Wind, and Fire and Marvin Gaye if we yeah. asked
1: you. At the time. Yeah, they've always been there. Those two would have probably been there. Anything else, like I said, is interchangeable. But those two, uh, I've been listening to them my whole life, so um, that don't really change. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, um, with today's music, as you explain your artists that you listen to or some of your favorites, do you see a difference between today's music and the music of my era? You know, um, based on what you've heard from me plan, your mom plan, and even your grandmother's as to the type of music, the artists, and even the sound? Do you think there's a difference? And if so, what is it?
0: Yeah, there's a huge difference. I think the biggest difference is the sound. I think in every, in every generation, you're gonna have artists that have great content and they're putting out you know, thought-provoking content, content that's gonna make people look at the world a certain way, yada, yada. And then there are artists who are just making music that is just gonna sell you know and it may not be talking about the best type of content but it's catchy tunes or what have you that's in every generation uh but yeah the sound is definitely different i mean i guess what drives the the change in sound so much is technology you know what i mean back in the 60s and 70s there wasn't a whole lot of technology to make certain sounds you had to do it with drums and you know horns and and and, you know natural instruments that have been around for a long time and as technology started to come in we could like I said, synthesize certain sounds and different types of, you know, I mean, you had obviously big era of G-Funk and that had its own sound that was not natural at all. <laughs> it's completely synthesized. So that's the biggest difference I would say is the sound. I think in every generation, like I said, the content, you get, it, you get the spectrum in every generation. Now, one thing that does change, and this is something I know you probably want to get into is what's being pushed and what is being, I guess, sold more commercially by the, you know, the powers that be within the music industry. But I think that's the biggest difference is the sound and what drives that is technology.
1: All right. Yeah, I think the sound definitely, um, partially because of how the music is made, you know, earlier on, at least in my era, before I'd say the mid to, I would say before the eighties, for the most part, the music was more horns, instruments, drums, There were bands, they were live bands where after a certain point, I would say sometime in the 80s, more synthesized drum machines and the music was recorded and produced and generated from a more machine-based rather than authentic bands, if that makes sense. So I think that's a a big, big um, uh, difference. Also, I see the difference in the music itself being more aggressive and just more straightforward now. Where back in the day, you know, especially in the between the '60s and '70s, you know, for the most part, we were all talking They were all talking about the same thing. We're talking about love. They were talking about what was going on in their lives and everyday um, happenings. But when you think about the artistry of the earlier um, singers and musicians, it was more poetic, in a sense that it wasn't so. You had to think about what they were saying. They put it in a way that, hey, I wanna, I wanna make love to you. I wanna talk to you. I wanna do these things that were as a kid of a certain age, you wouldn't really know what they were talking about. Whereas now a five-year-old can tell what they're talking about in terms of some of the lyrics and some of the songs, it's just kind of straightforward. And I find it a little for maybe my age is coming to you, a little distasteful Um, and it doesn't lead to the imagination to really think and explore, you know, hey, what is this person talking about? You know because also in the older songs, and some of it happens. You have artists today that some of them do it where it has various meanings. It's called a double entendres. Where, for instance, you take D'Angelo, um, I'm not sure if you remember him from back in the day, and he was talking about brand sh- brown sugar. Same with, um Um, What's his name? Rick James. He was talking about Mary Jane. They were talking about drugs, (laughs) but the names of those, you thought also when you listen to it, they could be talking about love or they can be talking about a female or a woman. And so it allowed them to be creative and say, I'm talking about really potentially both of them. Where now when you're talking about certain songs, it's like it's straightforward. This is what it is. And there's no, there's no, nothing left to the imagination i guess that's what i'm saying and again that's not all artists but for the most part what's pushed and what we see commercially is um that type of music as well as the violence and um you know those things so
0: yeah and i think it's a part of that i like i said i think you get the spectrum in any generation because i definitely know i've heard some songs from your generation that were very straightforward like you said but i think it's it's two it's a two part it's a two part um ordeal, right? You have the fact that that is, I think, what's becoming more socially acceptable in our society to talk about out loud and to say on TV and what have you and all these different things right? because of the way our society is moving. But too, like you said, I do think there is, you know, what's being pushed more because, like I said, those songs existed back then. It's just it wasn't pushed as much commercially because, mainly because it probably wouldn't have sold as much because of the way society was, you know, looking at that type of content back then.
1: Yeah, and I think the balance. um, Like you said, and I agree that a lot of those songs were back in the day, but there was more of a balance as to you had the happy songs, you had the love songs, you had the sad songs, you had the more upbeat songs, you had the socio-political conscious songs. So that was there. and it just seemed a little more balanced. And, uh, and maybe it's because of how the music was being pushed. Um, like you said, um, in that time, many people weren't ready for some of that stuff. You know, it was there, but it wasn't being pushed on the radio as today. And so I think that's um, that's a big part of it. Um, so, yeah, you're right on that. Yeah.
0: And so with that, I wanted to ask you, like, Obviously, there's big differences in the type of content that were pushed in both of our generations. How do you think that affects the generations from a behavior standpoint, mindset standpoint, just, you know, all those different aspects?
1: Well, in my generation coming up, we only had a few outlets. You had radio, you had um, some TV, you know, and shows like Soul Train that we all watched. We'd get up and we'd come on on Saturday, 11 o'clock Saturday. Pretty much every black household in America was tuned in the Soul Train. Um, You had American Bandstand and maybe a few other dance shows that were really put together to bring on artists to break their new albums or songs to really get it out there. And so outside of that, other than going to the record stores, there wasn't many other mediums that I can think of that would get your music out. Whereas today you have various platforms in which you know, Spotify, Tidal, you know, you name it. you got a list of platforms in which the music is able to be uh, distributed to people and people have various ways to get it through their phones, through their TV, um, satellite radio, so on and so forth. So, yeah, the music itself and how it's distributed um, has changed greatly as a result of technology. So do you think,
0: and I guess what the question I was trying to get at is a lot of times, you hear music that reflects what some of the issues going on with the, you know, in that time and then that era. Do you think that's art imitating life or sometimes is, does life imitate art? Yeah.
1: I think it's both. I think, and here I'm going to go into a, um, what do you call it, esoteric mode. I think, I believe that sometimes we project things that, May not be here, but because we talk about it, because we put it, I think we put things out there that may come to life. But I also believe that there are things that are there already that we may discuss, that we may um, focus on to, you know, heighten the awareness of it. And so I think it's a bit of both um, in which some things that we project and we put it out there. And then there's other things that we are already experiencing that we just uh, enhance the awareness of it. So, um, answer
0: your question, both. Cause I'm thinking about my, my era, my generation right now, the, the opioid crisis and all of the prescription drugs and how popularized it is by the music of today. And I wonder, is that just, okay, this is what kids are doing. And and this is what I guess young adults are doing. So the music industry is going to reflect that and people are going to talk about it and glorify it or. And I guess it's obviously, you know, enhanced by the fact that there's a lot of music about it. And so it makes kids want to do it more. But is that a more of a driving factor than the fact that it's just prevalent right now? Or is it like, no, this music is really, you know, playing a big role in, you know, the the popularity of these prescription drugs and opioids and stuff like that?
1: I think the music plays a a, a, a big role. I think media in general. Media really started, as I understand it, Really to sell products. So radio shows and radio and TV shows were developed to sell products. But they say in between selling these products, we need to capture people's attention to make them want to come watch it. So that's how they developed the radio shows, the TV shows, and they call it programming. And the programming, um, as you can see, probably... And it started earlier than this, but when I first really recognized how we're being programmed, it's probably nineties, ninety-two, it's particularly with rap music and what we call gangster rap. You know, after the chronic album, there was so-called gangster rap albums before that, but after the chronic album hit in ninety two with Dre and Snoop, it seemed like everything after that for a long time was really centered around that genre, you know, gangster rap. And so, um, why it shifted that way? I have my thoughts on it, and don't want to take the time to go into that right now. That's a whole nother show. But I think they saw one it in sales, but two, I thought, I thought that when looking at and hearing the public, Public Enemies, KRS One, and the more politically conscious music that was coming out in the mid to late '80s, you know, when they looked up and said, "Man, the world is listening to this. The globe is listening to hip hop music, to rap." What happens if this message gets out across the globe? And so I think seeing that and being aware of it, I think some of the powers to be in the industry or beyond begin to say, you know what? We need to shift that narrative because this can become a problem. Yeah. Um, and you know how aggressive public enemy was and you know what K- KRS-One was talking about. So those type of things, I think it was a de- definite um, shift and intentional to take the minds away from some of the thoughts that were being presented and ideas presented from some of those songs to the youth because youth are always the one who initiates the revolution, the changes. And so if you're feeding in this information and a raising their consciousness and awareness, you know what are we gonna have in the next 10, five, 10 years? So yeah. for me, I think it was an intentional shift.
0: Okay. And so with the music of the day, do you still believe there's a big part of like a big part of the music we're getting today the powers of be have a hand in it because you know i look at it now and i say we have so many options for music right we don't necessarily need to go to the radio I don't, nobody listens to the radio in the car by the way we all <laughs> plug in our you know our phones and play music now nobody right. listens to the radio so you know obviously we do get our music through it whether it be tv shows or just you know the the different things we see on social media and stuff but everybody has so many options as you said it doesn't it, do they still play a big hand in, you know, I guess programming us to, you know, what music we d- we listen to?
1: I think they do. Um, maybe don't have the the leverage or control they once had, but it's still there. Every artist, for the most part, is still trying to get a big deal. Even though the deals and the, the, the fine economics of it has changed, um, you know, someone comes off of your big contract to do music, then you're probably going to go with that. And guess what happens? If you're not putting the music out that they want you to put out then either the music's not going to be put out or you're going to be put in the shelf. and yeah. so it's still control but I think the artist on the other hand has a lot more leverage and control as to what they put out and how they put it out so um so yeah I think it's still there but not to the degree it was you know in earlier times
0: because yeah, I mean I can think of a lot of artists that You see them and, like, they're trying to put them on every TV show and they're trying to, you know, win awards and they're performing at the awards. and it's like you can tell their music is being pushed heavily, but it's like I feel like my generation, type of generation, we're like, we ain't like that. You know, we don't like that and we denied it. And I've seen a lot of those artists come and go, even though they had, you know, the, the big push. And then I've seen artists that just be grassroots campaign, just, like you said, making music in, you know, in a small studio and uploading it to SoundCloud and they blow up. Because my generation seems to be able to be like, no, we we deny what we don't want. We're not going to be, you know, forced into anything. And what we do like, we're going to support it. And, and that seems to be a big movement right now. And so, I, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, no doubt. Because I think of someone like Drake. And I'm like, Drake is somehow, sometimes programmed because his music just is just everywhere. And I think he's good. I like listening to him. But would I listen to him as much as if, if this dude wasn't? Everywhere. If he wasn't pushed out as much as he
1: is, probably not, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, I would say, the instant gratification microwave generation because when you guys came along, everything was really at your disposal. You didn't have to wait for a certain time for cartoons to come on. When we grew up, it was early in the morning, around four or five in the afternoon, and that was it. Yeah. You know, you had the microwave. You didn't have to wait, put your food on the stove and wait for it to cook. You put it in the microwave, a couple of minutes, it's done. You know, now you can go to your phone and say, hey, I wanna listen to this song. You can pump right to it. We would put a record on, or if we had the cassettes, we would have to rewind it. (laughs) (laughs) So we would have to either play through it or rewind it or fast forward to get to the song that we like. And so just having that instant access to things, I think has made you guys on one hand impatient um, which is not a good thing but on the other end is a good thing that hey I have access and I can determine how I want to do things now and I don't necessarily have to wait so um, I think you're right that um, your generation is in a real interesting position and hopefully you can take what you guys have learned and have an access and saying no we don't have to stand for certain things because we just don't want to or we don't need to yeah. and push the agenda and push the envelope in a way that you get the attention of those people that are making decisions and let them know that we're going to make our own decisions. And again, the millennials is now, I think just past the baby boomers in terms of overall population. So the numbers are even greater than what was the uh, biggest population over the last several years was the baby boomers. So you guys really have the power. It's just being able to take that and use it in an effective way to where you can get the desired results that going to be, beneficial to um, most or all that are involved. Yeah. As I sit here
0: and think, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm thinking about music. And one thing that stuck with me, you said, is the aggression and I guess the explicitness. Mm -hmm. And no doubt that music has been explicit since the beginning of time, I guess. But once commercial, commercial retail or commercial sale of music got involved, there seemed to be obviously a filtering process of like, okay, this we can't put out, this we can't. And as I think of, like, way back then, I mean, I don't know, music, I don't, we never really listened to music from that era, but, the, you know, the 1950s, right, that music mm-hmm. was, you know, it seemed to be extremely clean, and there seemed to have been, obviously, a filter process of what we're going to put out, and things that we're like, nah, we're not. Mm-hmm. But through time, if you know, you see the aggression, the explicitness, the, the, the just, all of that start to rise, even, you know, through your era, and now to where we are now. Do you agree with that? That it's just—I mean, I—I I, I see it. It's just obviously the aggression, the explicitness that's able to be put out is greater. Do you agree with that? And do—and if so, why? Why do you think that they allow that, or it's I, become I more popular? I think it's
1: greater, at least access to it, and largely because the the values in the country and globally have shifted to become more either liberal or just more. Uh, open to new ideas and hey, you know, you do your thing. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think because it's more acceptable, you have more of it. Whereas it did exist in prior years, but because it wasn't something that was going to get mass, uh, the masses of people would get access to it. You know, artists who were trying to make it and trying to build the following, they wouldn't do so much of it they may have a song or two or lyrics that were in that vein, but it wasn't something that they knew was going to be pushed commercially. So I think, um, to answer your question, it's more in today's music because it's more acceptable. Okay. I want to go full circle back to your top five. So
0: it was Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind & Fire, John Coltrane, Tupac, and Lauryn Hill. Mm -hmm. When I think of those first two, I mean, those first two are the only two that aren't in the era of your young adulthood, right? Tupac, Mm -hmm. Well, Coltrane too, but Tupac and Lauryn Hill are definitely in the era of your young adulthood. And Earth, Wind & Fire, Marvin Gaye, and Coltrane seem to
1: be a big part of your childhood. Well, Coltrane, I didn't listen to a lot of jazz growing up. I kind of got into jazz more in college. And so it was probably my early 20s when I got really tuned in to Coltrane. And he became someone that I really enjoyed listening to, especially studying or just just hanging out at the house. You know, it was something I'd like to turn on just to... Put me in a whole other state of mind and a different mood, so yeah, okay. But I bring that up to say,
0: okay, well, I guess it's just Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Marvin Gaye. But those two are from your childhood, they, they weren't making music when you're into your young adulthood. I mean, maybe out don't Earth, and Earth, Wind, and Fire, I don't know, but obviously, Marvin wasn't.
1: Yeah, Marvin was killed in I think 81 82, yeah. So you were only so, yeah, he had a couple of hits up to my teens, and then after that, you know, he wasn't around. Earth, Wind & Fire put some later stuff out. Um, I didn't really get mostly into that. Yeah. Um, it's just the sound had kind of changed, so I was kind of stuck in that vein of where I knew them, you know, whether it be just the nostalgia, just the memories of the times yeah. and which I was listening to it, the people that are around, the family, and those type of things. And but- that's what
0: I was trying to get to is your top two artists seem to be from your childhood. Mm-hmm. and you talk about how you know how important your childhood was to you and how much you associate that with good times is part of the reason you love that music so much, the, the association to the good times.
1: I think part, part of it is the association, but I think part the other part is that it was good music. I mean, you can put Marvin, What's Going On Album Now, and play it today, and it would be like, it would fit right in. You know, the topics that he was talking about, I mean, the same with um, Earth, Wind & Fire. To me, the music was so relevant and it was timeless in which you could play it in any era and people would be like, oh, I'm feeling this. You know, so I think it's a combination of both, but I think largely it was just good music that they were um, producing at the time. Mm. And the reason I think
0: about that is because for me, I definitely have artists that I think are like that, right? I associate them with good times as a child and I enjoyed the sound of them. I think you and Mom, a lot of times, a few of the artists that I can think of are like KRS-One, India Irie, and Jill Scott. And, and even some of Lauryn Hill. I just associate them with good car rides or you know, chilling at the house with the family and everything like that. And so I didn't put them in my top five, but I would say they're, they're those artists for me that I, I put on that list because of, I think, association. So right. I was just wondering how much of that was had, had to do with your top five, because obviously now that you're older, you go back to that and, and play them still now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not sure, and I don't know how you, but in your 20s, when you was chilling with your boys in the dorm or your all apartment, I don't think you was putting on Earth, Wind & Fire or John Coltrane. I don't think that's the music you played, I guess with, in that time, with
1: your group of friends. Do you know what I'm saying? I played, it was more of a band. I played more hip-hop, more rap. But I did play earth, wind and fire. I remember one time, uh, me and Kevin, we were driving back from LA coming to the desert and we threw on earth, wind and fire, man. And it just took me back to that childhood. And I mean, we were talking and we both looked at each other and said, damn, man, this is like, you know, I, I, I almost forgot how good this music was. Uh. And so we, we both kind of reminisced on the days of growing up and listening to that. So, um, so it was a combination. I didn't listen to it as much as I do now. And partly because having kids and some of the music that became a little more explicit, you know, I didn't want to expose you guys to that such an early age. So, you know, that took me back to listening to some of those songs and some of those artists that um, the lyrics and the content weren't so explicit or, um, you know, vulgar. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, I feel like, as I get older, I'll
0: probably, same thing, I'll probably play Jill Scott, NDIRE, Lauren Hill, those type of artists, just because, one, like I said, association with good times when I was a kid, and it's just something that's going to kind of, I guess, make me happy in my older age, Uh, uh, but two, like you said, I mean, who knows where music will be at that time, I don't know, but I imagine that's kind of the same feeling I have, is I don't want to put on Kendrick Lamar, as much as I like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole and those guys, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for, you know, young children. So that's, that's an interesting point to me because it just, it it always speaks to how music changes, but stays the same, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And, and we talk about the, the recycling of ideas because it's funny because, you know, obviously when technology got to the point where people were making music without any type of live instruments at all. And now I think there's a big, you know, revitalizing of the idea of hey we're gonna use real trumpets or real guitar right or you know what i'm saying to, to use real instruments and real elements to to make music again and so that's that's interesting in terms of the recycling so
1: yeah and i think um to to, to piggyback off that and this is a whole nother topic i don't want to go into at least today but the frequency of the sounds you know you have the high frequency sounds and the low frequency sounds that really creates a vibe and gives you feel, puts you in a mood, uh, provides you, puts you in a, gives you a certain energy in which you kind of function. So if you get up in the morning and you're listening to classical music, it'll put you in a certain mood, certain state of mind. If you listen to hard rock, a heavy metal, that's going to put you in a certain mind state as well as other forms of music. So um, that's another topic, but that's something I just wanted to mention, that music itself really Help shape your mindset and put you in certain moods to, you know, start your day or end your day. And so, um, you know, those are some interesting thoughts too. Hmm.
0: Well, I think we covered it all. I mean, music today versus yesterday—it's is obviously a, a very interesting topic. And I imagine any family out there, in terms of parents and, and children, can have an interesting discussion about that. Um, I want you to just, to, just to wrap it up. Give me give me a few artists in today's generation that you you like.
1: <laughs> Who I like? Um, I got turned on to a couple of people um, when you came back home uh, recently um, during the break uh, and when you were co- quarantining for COVID-19 or when we got everything was shut down. Um, I like uh, obviously I like J-, J. Cole. I like his music. I like Kendrick Lamar. I like, uh, I like the guy, Masego, is that how you say it? Yeah, Masego, yeah. Masego, uh, I got into his music. Um, what's her name? She's one of Ari Lennox. Ari Lennox, yeah. uh, the- Aria Linux. Aria Lennox. I like her. I like the cat, Anderson Pack. Anderson yeah. Pack solid. So, um, you know, are a few I can think of off the top of my head, but a lot of their music really kind of flows into that vein and more of an old school, neo-soul neo sound. Um, So, and that may be why you know I was able to gravitate to their music is because of the sound of it, you know, which really kind of more of an old school feel. So yeah.
0: Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. We appreciate everybody for tuning in, and uh, make sure you tune in next time. All right, peace. All right, that'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now
1: you know. Peace.